Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction, and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Join us as we journey into the past. Who were the people? What were they like? How did they begin and how did they end? Let's find out on episode 16 of The Fan of History... The greatest party of all time. That's right. It is the episode that you've all been waiting for. Well, at least I hope you have. We're going to talk about the greatest party of all time. Uh, Ashur Nepal II is throwing a party. Let's find out from Dan, my co-host, the fan of history. Party time! (laughs) Yes, it is party time. Excellent. Woo! Party on, Brennan. Party on, Dan. (laughs) Yes. All right, man. So, we have this uh, pleasant fellow known as the Lord of Massacres. And we'll, we'll learn why in the next episode. Next episode. But right now he's going to wine and dine us. Yes. We are in the year 879 BC. And Ashurnasupal II has completed his first campaigns. He has gained a lot of booty. And he has realized his father's dream of a new capital. So he's moving the capital north from Asher along the Tigris to Kala what is today Nimrud, and uh, starts building. It's a 15-year building project, but uh, Ashurnasipal doesn't want to wait until the building project is finished, so he throws the party at the start (laughs) of the project. And there's a reason for that, so we'll we'll come back to that. (laughs) Uh, There are uh, sources telling... uh, telling us that uh, the city was completed in 879 or that the party was in 864. But they are all wrong. The party is at the start of the building project. Wow. How come they, how come they all... Like, what t- 
tells us that all those other people were wrong and that it starts at the very beginning? Uh, because I say so. <laughs> <laughs> no, it, it might be that it is in 864 or uh, um, that it, it can't be finished in 879 because right. um, he has only been king for four years. Ah, but uh, that the, makes sense. Um, no, I think that the sequence of events makes it actually quite impossible for the party to be in 864. Mm-hmm. So I think this is the party. Uh, before we move to the actual feast, because sure. this episode will only be one year, I wanted to introduce two city-states in Syria. Uh, they are sending guests to the party. Uh, so they are somewhat relevant for this episode, but uh, I really wanted to introduce them somewhere because they will be important for the rest of our story. Uh, the first is the kingdom of Karkemish. Uh, the kingdom of Karkemish is located uh, west of Kala mm-hmm. uh, at the sort of eastern northern edge of Syria. This is the most powerful of the Neo-Hittite city-states. Uh, remember, they are living, uh, pretending that the, um, uh, the great Hittite empire still exists. Uh, we mentioned this place last time because Ashnasipal the second visited it and saw these fantastic temples uh, and right. art. Uh, there's a, especially a temple to the storm god, Hadad. And uh, what you must know about this place is that it is a rich place. It is well fortified. Ashnasipal II didn't take it. They just uh, invited him in and paid their tribute last time because mm-hmm. they could afford it. <laughs> this will also be the place where the Assyrian Empire makes their very last stand in the 7th century. And that will destroy the ancient city of Kerkamish. But this city has been around for the full time of the Hattite Empire. So it's very ancient. Um, I also want to, to introduce the kingdom of Hamath. This is much closer to the coast. It's a kingdom of Arameans that have been inspired by the Neo-Hittites, but they are ruled by Arameans. It's modern Hama. And it's the main power on the fertile plains of Syria. And right south to it is uh, Aram Damascus. So this is the, like the second most powerful Aramean kingdom. So Hamath and Karkamish, remember them. But now, back to the party. Back to the party. All right, here's what we're going to do, folks. We're going to step on inside the party room. That's right, you'll hear the... Oh, can you hear the people in the background? That's the part... Yeah. Now it's gonna... Now we're gonna talk about what's going on in the party while we're taking a trip back in time to the party. So why don't you walk us through, Dan? Uh, Yeah, first about the place. Uh, Kala... This is uh, a, an old village, a uh, town that was founded by Shalmaneser I uh, in uh, the 13th century BC, but it has sort of fallen on hard times and it's very small. So the place is entirely changed by this building project. Uh, there are uh, 
thousands of laborers that Hashem Asipal II has captured in the wars. Uh, the city walls will enclose 360 hectares. They dig a canal from the greater Saab River, which is an enormous undertaking. There are orchards, 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 (laughs) (laughs) and gardens. And from the very first day, from the day of the feast, basically, Ashenasipal II intends this to be the capital of the world. And this is a major break with tradition because Asher has been the capital for over a thousand years. But uh, now that Ashenasipal II breaks, tradition, other Assyrian kings will get the idea that they can also do it and this capital will be moved again. The centerpiece of the city is Ashurnasipal's palace. It's 290,000 square feet. Six acres, pretty much. It has Mm -hmm. golden doors, limestone sculptures, and these Hittite-inspired sculptures. (laughs) If you go to the British Museum, and we'll probably talk a lot about the British Museum when we talk about Ashurnasipal II, because he'll be around for a couple of more episodes. Uh, he has a whole department in the British Museum. There is an Ashurnasipal II display, a whole corridor with only things about Ashurnasipal II. Because the British excavated Kala in the 1840s and then Mm -hmm. they just took everything they took (laughs) all they could get and today we should probably be grateful that the British were uh, great thieves in the 19th century (laughs) because all of this stuff uh, that's now in the British Museum would be vulnerable to Islamic State destruction today so uh, if you are in London you must visit the British Museum and check out Ashurnasipal II display you will find more about why he's the Lord of Massacres than about this feast. So, the party itself then, uh, there are 69,574 guests at the party. Wow. Yes, we have the exact figure of how many were there. <laughs> that's, some, that's some great record keeping right there. <laughs> yes. Uh, there seems to be a general invitation to all the powerful people in the world that Ashurnasipal II knows about. So uh, everybody's invited. There are Arameans, Hittites, the kings of Karkemish and Hamath, uh, the kings of the Kanilgabat, uh, and uh, the, the kings of the mountains in the north and in the mountains of the east. The Babylonians are surely invited. There is a guy called Lubarna, the king of Patino from Syria, that will appear in our story later. He was at Mm. a party. Uh, But there is a notable exception. Uh, Amebal A, lord of the Bitsamini tribe, Mm -hmm. he doesn't show up to the party. Hmm. And that angers Ashurnasipal II because... If Ashurnasipal II calls you to a party, you better come. <laughs> right. <laughs> so he's, he's not happy. I can imagine not. Um, so, uh, we actually have the menu from the party. Oh, I forgot to mention, there were, of course, Phoenicians ah. and Phrygians. Uh, 
Uh, yes, let's look at the menu. Let's look at this menu. This menu is crazy. So we start off here. We have 1,000 fattened head of cattle. All right. Another 1,000 cows for, for yep. beef. We got yeah, 1,000 beef cows. 1,000 calves, I guess, for all the uh, tender meat that you want in there. Yes. <laughs> 10,000 stable sheep. So 10,000 sheep, 15,000 lambs for all that that leg of lamb. Another 200 head of cattle just to offer Ishtar. Um, What's a great party needs a sacrifice of 200 cows. (laughs) And not just that, another 1,000 sheep also offering for Ishtar. It must have taken time to sacrifice 1,200 that, sheep. Yeah, I can... <laughs> no, or... or that, that, that's, that's, that's a... Yeah, if you, you would have to... It's an undertaking. <laughs> it's for 1,000 sheep. I mean, that's amazing. The, the priests of Ishtar must have been like, oh, we are going to the party. Oh, no, we are on sacrifice duty for 10 days. Exactly. Oh, here we go. A ritual again for the 1,000th time. <laughs> <laughs> the, the party lasts 10 days. So. Oh, okay. Um, 1,000 spring lambs. I wonder what the difference... I mean, are we talking like really, really small lambs at this point? I think so. Yeah. Um, 500 gazelles, 1,000 ducks, 500 uh, geese, and also... Um, Another 500 geese, uh, the Kirku geese. Possibly cranes? Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, they, they love eating birds. <laughs> yeah, clearly. They have, they have a thing for all kinds of birds. And, um, yeah, because then you have a thousand uh, Masuku birds, a bird of prey, a thousand uh, Karibu birds, possibly crows is what those were, Ten thousand dove, and let me tell you, as someone who has field cleaned a dove for that tiny two ounces of of breast meat, cleaning those is a pain in the butt. Cleaning ten thousand of them would make me cry. And we have another ten thousand turtle doves, uh, another ten thousand small birds of some kind. <laughs> Mixed small <laughs> yeah. birds, yeah, just just a just buckets of whatevers. <laughs> Ten thousand assorted fish. Um, I wonder if you get those out of the Tigris, or huh. where, where they come from. Right. I wonder if they're salted fish, brought in pretty far away from the sea. Yeah, because that's the only way you're making it across that desert with. With fish, as if they are super salted. I guess yep. you could have them out of the river. You get um, the trout and whatnot, but you, that would decimate that in that <laughs> that river system. Um, that's why there is no there is no fish in the Tigris today. Yeah, there you go. I ate them all. Uh, Ten thousand jerboa, and I was just talking to Dan about this a little while ago. Jerboa are those cute little. Mice with the giant ears and the huge back legs. You know, the little kangaroo rat looking things. 
They are adorable. But this... And, uh, they don't <laughs> have much meat on them. No, I, I... I don't think that thing weighs an ounce by itself. <laughs> How are you going to eat it? I don't know. So... I wonder if he just sat down and sort of thought about all the things he liked and just wrote big numbers. <laughs> yeah, I want to know. Yeah. And then the act of gathering 10,000 Jerboa. <laughs> so just people yeah. out there with with sticks and sacks just scavenging as many as they could. Maybe it's, they were ancient Jerboa farmers. <laughs> They're very tiny farmers. And they have free-range Jerboa. <laughs> oh, man. <sighs> And they they no. just they hop so adorably. Okay, so <laughs> we have ten thousand eggs of some kind. Again, random eggs. You know what I bet though? You know they're trying to find ten thousand jerboa, and they have these dudes out there going, "Listen, man, we've only got five, maybe six thousand jerboa. It's time we start gluing some some leaves to the ears of some random rats and just say." Look at these fat jerboa we found. <laughs> because we are not going to hit 10,000. <laughs> the jerboa scandal happened on <laughs> day the three of the park. Great jerboa. This is not a jerboa. I am appalled. <laughs> we'll roll. Yeah. Oh, man. Okay. Then we get to the real business. Yeah, 10,000 jars of beer. Mm-hmm. To go with those Jerboa. Yeah. That's what you dip your Jerboa in <laughs> to make them edible. Now <laughs> uh, you have 100 containers of some sort of fine mixed beer. That's the malt liquor they're getting all juiced up nice. on. 10,000 imported skins of wine. See, that's what they would do. You have these... Because it's sheepskin that wine is held in, right? It's got to be. I think that's what it is, right? Because then you kind of... I wonder where it's imported from. I don't know. Uh, probably from the uh, from Turkey, from the Nairi lands. Mm. They were renowned for their wine. Uh, remember, there is no um, hard liquor at this time. Oh yeah, I I don't know if the Syrians drank their wine uh, watered down or not, hmm. but uh, I I don't. This is this is one of the few mentions of alcohol. They were not heavy drinkers, right? And now we That's need something nutrition. Yes. So to go with these thousands and thousands upon thousands of meat varieties. We have 1,000 wood crates of vegetables. Just vegetables. <laughs> yeah, just, you know, they're just digging up whatever they could. Just, just hey, just put some greens. Someone's mom made them at least order some vegetables. Then you have 300 containers of oil, hopefully, to fry those vegetables in. And then, nice. you, <laughs> and then you have 100 pistachio cones. What is a pistachio cone? Do you know? <laughs> I have no idea. Maybe it's the dessert. The dessert. <laughs> it's ice cream. <laughs> no, they did not have pistachio ice cream. <laughs> the strangest got... thing is that this um, 
this menu survives. Yeah, <laughs> because it's actually inscribed on a piece of stone that's three thousand years old. That's it's amazing. I mean, it was so important that they actually ah here it is pistachio cones. Um, this looks like a cone shape of a bunch of pistachios. But anyway, but yeah, they th- this this was important. You know, they're just random dates and victories and stuff. We get some of that, but the detail of this list is incredible. Yeah, this, and remember, this is a 10 day party with almost 70,000 guests. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two year contracts, they said, What the f are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass? So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. That is true. It's a pretty major event. We know a bit about what happened during the party itself. There was a lot of ceremony, of course. And Ashenasen Pal II appointed governors for the newly conquered um, territories. Mm-hmm. He had an op- opening ceremony for the Kala Zoo. <laughs> so there was a place filled with animals from all over the Assyrian world. Because uh, that's, uh, that's something that was important to the Mesopotamians. Mm-hmm. Uh, there are a lot of temples being inaugurated in the new city. The biggest one being the temple of Ninurta. Remember, uh, Tukulti Ninurta II was Ashanasipal's uh, father. Mm-hmm. Uh, Ninurta is the scribe of the gods. There were temples to Adad, uh, the storm god, uh, Shala, uh, Sharapniki, Yasharu. Damkina, Kula, Kidmuru, Nabu, Desibiti, and Sin. And uh, there was also an announcement that uh, you are all to these dignitaries from foreign lands that had paid tribute. They were thanked for their loyalty, and they were also informed that the tributes were now increased. Because Uh-oh. <laughs> Somebody had to pay for the party. <laughs> right. 
It's a party. Oh, by the way, there's an entry fee. <laughs> yeah. And that was not the worst thing, though, because at the end of the party, an undisclosed number of people were not allowed to go home because the city needed population. <laughs> right. <laughs> so they were forced to remain in Kala as uh, Assyrian citizens then filling up this city. So because the other Assyrians had their cities, so they, he didn't want to move them. <laughs> recruited these guests, probably 10,000 <laughs> or oh, so, wow. into his new city. And those are the known events of, uh, of the party itself. But we also, uh, I also wanted to go into some details about the life of this great king and how he spent his free time. There were surely a hunt. Oh, uh, yeah. The Assyrians were obsessed with hunting and especially the king. And hunting was a royal privilege. So there were animals that only the king were allowed to kill. So you think that these animals would be fairly safe then because there's only one guy that can kill them. <laughs> but he has help and he loves hunting. So the Assyrian kings from probably from more ancient times than this up till the very end are obsessed with hunting and will depict themselves hunting almost as often as they depict themselves going to war or killing people. And we actually have a quote from a hunt that Ashurnasipal II did. So do you want to read it in your uh, best Ashurnasipal voice oh, you need boy. to practice for next episode? <clears throat> right. I will try. And this this voice is not to be offensive to anyone. It is my generic I am a, a great leader from a distant past voice. <clears throat> Let's see here. Ashurnasipal II, what did he do? I killed 30 elephants with the bow, 257 powerful wild bulls I killed from my war chariots. I killed 370 strong lions just by spear, like birds in a cage. So he walks around spearing 370 lions? Uh, we are talking about the Mesopotamian lion. Yeah. It's... Uh, Related to the Indian lions, it's a smaller lion, but uh, the the Mesopotamian lion is actually exterminated by the Assyrians. They just hunt, they hunted them all. Yes, Ashurnasipal II does a, a lot of damage to the population, <laughs> but uh, it's a later Assyrian king that actually exterminates the lions. Uh, they are really obsessed with lions. If you go to the British Museum, you will see mm -hmm. these reliefs of uh, lion hunts. And the lion is one of these animals that only the king can kill. Uh, you will also see that there is perhaps some boasting and uh, overstating of facts <laughs> in these reliefs because we actually have uh, an image of Ashinasipal II killing a lion. Right. Isn't it standing uh, up, like, right in front of him? Yes. <laughs> yes. The lion is... <laughs> pretty much pouncing at him <laughs> and uh, he only has a small sword so what he does is that he takes the lion by the throat stopping it mid pounce sure. grabbing it holding it up Seems and then he reasonable. guts the lion 
Of course he did. So that's how you hunt lions if you're a madness. <laughs> Heck yeah. You just hold that bad boy up. <laughs> slice him right there. I'll include a link in the show notes <laughs> to a site. Uh, there's a website called Badass of the Week, and they actually did <laughs> a feature on Ashton Asipal II. And nice. it's, uh, it's really fun to read. It's not entirely serious, but they are like uh, looking at details like this and <laughs> telling you about how much of a badass Ashton Asipal II is. Well, it's a lot like an ancient comic book. <laughs> Well, he definitely, he definitely did some crazy off the wheel, off the you know, off the wheels kind of stuff. So, but he also liked the good uh, relaxation. So, uh, oh nice! Uh, there is another image where one of the Mesopotamian gods come down and give him a back rub. But there is a guy <laughs> standing behind him. He's sitting on a throne, and there is this huge guy behind him with the head of a, a bird. Uh, yeah, just giving him back rub. So, you're doing well, Ashinasipal. <laughs> Keep doing this. It's his coach. He's in the back. Yeah, he's Give in him the hell, Ashinasipal. Give him hell. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, we must remember that, that we are just a few years into the Assyrian Empire. So everything is just getting started. But uh, as I said before, there will never be a king quite like this guy. So he will be uh, uh, an inspiration for uh, Assyrian kings. Um, and when the party is over, when 10 days have passed, mm-hmm. all these uh, things have been consumed, people have been detained, temples have been uh, uh, started up... Um, there is, of course, only one thing you do to end the great party. You go to war. Of course. It's always. It's the best way to end any party. Yeah, it's, a, it's the Viking way as well. <laughs> so we tend to do that here in Sweden. Um, so remember that the Assyrians, they uh, go on, on robber campaigns every year. It's like, go somewhere, beat people up, take their stuff. So... They are always looking for a reason uh, to go somewhere. They, they need to go somewhere. So if you are on top of the list of people that piss the Assyrian king off, you will get the attention of the Assyrian army. And remember, Amebal A mm-hmm. did not show up to the party. Mm-hmm. So he gets the attention of 50,000 war-crazy Assyrian soldiers in state-of-the-art equipment. Uh, the royal army leaves Kala, crosses the Tigris, goes to the interior of the Kabku, uh, and look up the Bitsamini tribe. And it turns out that Amebal A actually looked forward to the party. He was like preparing for the party, choosing his clothes, and then he was murdered because of his loyalty to the Assyrians. So huh. not only did he, they murder his guest. Well, that seems like a bad idea. <laughs> yeah. And when this army shows up, the uh, uh, the, the tribe uh, sort of throws themselves on the ground and asks for forgiveness, says they're paying tribute. And they know that they need to do something special. So they include like every hot chick in the tribe <laughs> in the tribute. 
And this actually does the trick. So uh, Ashurnasipaldisa can, for once, does not massacre his enemies, but he accepts this tribute uh, and uh, lets the bits Tamini tribe live under a new leader that he appoints. And then he goes back to Kala. So those are the events of 879 BC. Wow. That's, That's incredible. A That's a party. And uh, <laughs> Ashurnasipal II is only getting started too, just like the Empire, because he has some more work to do. And All in right. our next episode, we'll learn why uh, he's called the Lord of Massacres. Rawr. I bet he does things like kiss puppies and help old ladies across the street. Mm, something like that. All right. I knew it. <laughs> All right. Well, if you enjoyed our episodes, please consider the Patreon. Patreon.com slash fan of history. Also, the YouTube site. It's YouTube slash fan of history. Go there, you can see some, you know, lots of good content. Please like and subscribe and share with your friends. Let them know if you like this. Um, also, uh, give us a review on iTunes. We'll be out there on iTunes. And as always, we thank you for listening. Uh, it's time for something, Brandon. Oh, no. I thought I could do this quick enough. <laughs> It's time for Assyrian, (laughs) for Babylonian. Oh boy! Uh, Let me do some stretches. Do some deep knee bends. Last time, I did pretty good, but now, but now I feel like I have something I have to live up to. Yes. So, dang it! All right. Talk about gods. Gods. Hmm. So always, uh, be hard. I'm sure it will be. So here are five gods. Five gods. Are they Assyrian gods or Babylonian gods? Hmm. All right. The fir- mm-hmm. first god is Marduk. Marduk? Marduk. I've heard of this one. Everybody's heard of Marduk. Marduk is Babylonian. Yes. Ah, It's the king god of uh, the Babylonians. He is the Zeus of the Babylonian gods. Yeah. So, here is the second god. Let's do this. Asa Ruludu. Asaruludu. Asaruludu. I'm going to say Assyrian. He is a Babylonian god. Oh, man. He's a protective deity. The shining god that illuminates our path. The light of the gods. Huh. Okay, so 1-1. One, 1-1. One. One, one. We have come to god number three. God number three is Asher. Asher? Yeah. Well, that's Assyrian. <laughs> yes. Yeah. God of war. God of war. Itself. 
if I got that one wrong, then I haven't been paying attention. <laughs> he didn't get a temple in Kala, and that's probably because the uh, it was too much of a sacrilege to build a new temple Asher, because the great temple to Asher ah. is in the city of Asher, the old capital. That so, makes sense. Uh, he, he couldn't do that. Um, God number four is Tiamat. Oh, Tiamat. Yeah. Okay, that's Babylonian. Yes. Yeah. This is the uh, chaos of primordial creation, sort of evil, the Satan of uh, Babylonian religion. Uh, right. Also, uh, the uh, depiction of women. <laughs> <laughs> So she's the, the beauty of the feminine and sort of the evil of the world. Huh. <laughs> the final god is Lahamu. Lahamu. Hmm. Lahamu. Can, uh, can you use it in a sentence? Uh, <laughs> I sacrifice them all to... <laughs> Lahamu. <laughs> Lahamu. Uh, and I'm going to go with. Hmm. Lahamu. I'm a Babylonian. Yes. Ah, she's, <laughs> she's Babylonian. She's the daughter of Tiamat and always hangs out with her husband, who is also her brother. Uh-huh. Lamu. <laughs> Lamu. All right. And they are the parents of the parents of the first gods. So hmm. that's something to think about. Uh, the trick question here, of course, and you might have been confused, of course, with the uh, building of all those temples in uh, Kala. Right. Because we mentioned like 10 gods. None of those gods were Assyrians, Assyrian gods. Because the Assyrians have only one god, Asher. Right, Asher. <laughs> their, their religion is the strangest version of monotheism I ever heard about. I, I still don't fully understand it. But Asher is all gods. Uh, and I think this is also confusing to the Assyrians because they tend to worship other gods. And then they go like, oh, but we are just worshipping Asher, we promise. But there's a constant problem that they sort of think other religions are easier to understand than <laughs> their own. So, uh, yeah, that was the trick question this time. But you did well. Yay. Was it four out of five? I think you're now 2-2 two, two in your rounds of Babylonians. So maybe we'll have a yeah. final round next time. Winner take all. Wait, it's just me competing. <laughs> so yeah, that's that's all we have this time. Well that was fun. We need to do we need to have more parties. Me and you need to throw a party like this. Can you afford ten thousand cows? Yeah, when we get uh, you know the big historical podcasters they always do uh, these uh travels like uh Mike Duncan does the Roman tour and the, the revolutions tour. Right. Get a lot of people and you go together to these places. So when we get big enough, we'll go to Nimrud and uh, visit the Islamic State 
Um, <laughs> in yes, the middle this... of the war, we'll, uh, <laughs> we'll throw this party. Yes, that sounds like it won't attract any kind of negative attention. <laughs> no. <laughs> it, it'll also be about a million dollars per ticket. Oh my god. <laughs> we'll do it. Just keep contributing to the Patreon. <laughs> right. We'll work on this. Yes, Dan will do that by himself. So yeah, help, help Dan travel. Don't know if we will if we will eat those yerboas. I'm not Yerboas. Sure I want to go to the local zoo. I think they have some. And ask if I can eat them. <laughs> See what kind of response I get. <laughs> oh, jerboas, the cutest of all vermin. <laughs> all right. Well, thank you again for joining us. <laughs> I am Brennan. I'm Dom. And this has been the Fan of Histories. I guess that's it. Well, I kind of screwed up that ending. Oh. What did I do? I don't even know what I said there. This has been the Fan of Histories. Okay, good. Goodbye. If you enjoyed this podcast, please consider supporting us on Patreon. Patreon.com slash Fan of History. Just a dollar an episode would help us out. Thanks, and see you next time. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.